All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Major Sports Podcast. Uh, welcome in for this is episode nine now. We're closing in on double digits. Indeed. Uh, uh, as always, I'm joined by uh, Rob up in the Tampa area. Say what's up, Rob. Hello, hello. And I am, of course, uh, your host with the most, Enrique, down in Miami. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining, everybody. Again, if you don't already subscribe to our pod from wherever you listen to your podcast, please do so. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Uh, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at Three Major Sports and uh, keep up with us, interact with us, engage with us. Let us know what you like, don't like, want to see uh, anything you'd like changed, stuff like that. We're open for. We want to be the best show that you all listen to. So, today's episode, we are going to. Talk a little bit more baseball. Uh, nothing as in-depth as we had the last two weeks. We're going to try to cut it a little shorter this time around. Uh, but we'll touch in on that um, foreign substance scandal. We will check in on the debut of baseball's number one overall prospect, Wander Franco, who was brought up tonight by the Rays. Uh, so we'll see what's going on there. We are going to check in on our friends in the NFL as we had a pretty big social announcement yesterday by a player from the Los Angeles Raiders. I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. Jesus, talk about the 80s. Um, <laughs> about from the Vegas Raiders. So we'll, we'll talk about that and see what it means uh, in terms of society and sports and the way we look at and accept people. Uh, and then we're going to close it out with our favorite subject around here right now. It is the NBA playoffs. We are going to talk lottery, which was earlier tonight. We are recording this. It is currently 10, 19 p.m. on the East Coast, June 22nd. We just had the NBA lottery go down a little over two hours ago and a little under two hours ago. And we are at halftime of game two of Phoenix and the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals tip off tomorrow with Atlanta and Milwaukee after those two awesome game sevens over the weekend that I'm sure we'll talk about. So we will wrap up with some NBA talk. Uh, so bringing us back full circle, let's kick it off with some baseball talk. Yes. Foreign substance situation continues. So last week we went over MLB's memo that they released with the rules of enforcement and what they were going to be going for and everything like that. Yesterday, Monday, the 21st, was the first day of – uh, this being implemented. So it's the first day that umps were checking pitchers, and we started getting to see where they were going to check them. So the first pitcher to have to go through any of this was the best pitcher on the planet, Jake uh, Jacob deGrom. The Mets and the Braves had a 5 p.m. first pitch yesterday uh, with a doubleheader. So he was literally the first pitcher in the sport to get checked. He did it with a smile on his face. He was laughing about it the whole time. But they checked this man's hat, his hands. It looked like they checked his fingernails. They made him undo his belt. They checked his glove all at the end of the first inning as he was headed to the dugout. He took it um, pretty well, pretty lightly. I didn't hear of any other complaints or any other players who had any sort of negative experiences yesterday on day one. Uh, how about you, Rob? You hear anything interesting about the the starts of this enforcement no no the only one i heard about was Degrom. same same as what you're talking about i do have a question and i know we'll probably get into it because i saw it with uh 
with uh, Scherzer today. What, what's, what's the belt thing? Like, what are you doing in your belt that they need you to take your pants off? Like, I don't they're understand. Making them, well, they're making them unbuckle the belts because – so, I mean, you're just – you wear belts often. Imagine when you um, – when you pull the strap to put the buckle through, like when you put it through the buckle, you pull it back to put the little stick through the hole. Yeah. And apparently you can put any sort of substance on the inside part <laughs> of that. And so as you look, it may look like you're adjusting your pants, but you stick your thumb in there and get a good rub of whatever you put on the inside of that belt buckle or on the inside of that belt. And you just bring it out with you. And it looks like you're adjusting your pants. Apparently oh my God. this is popular practice because it's one of the first places they check this man. Brought to you by the sport that wears suntan lotion at night, indoors. Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, just I was curious because I saw Scherzer when they came out for the third, uh, the third check tonight. Threw his hat on the ground, threw his glove on the ground, started unbuckling yeah. his pants. I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. So they had already checked. Apparently, this is just a list, a pre-made list of places that these umpires are aware that they're going to be checking. So, like, the players already know where they're going to do it. And like you said, that was – so that was the third time that he was um, that he was checked tonight. And that was still early in the game. So let's get into that because this is the first blow-up that I've seen. So from what it seems is Max Scherzer, you know, Nationals star pitcher, was on the mound tonight against the Phillies. They were in Philadelphia – and he got checked for a third time. It was I can't tell you what inning it was exactly, but he was checked for a third time, and he didn't take it very well. He was barking the whole time. He was pretty upset at everything that was going on. And well, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I would be too. And he's already kind of a a surly guy, we'll say. Right. And yeah, you're you're throwing him out of his rhythm, and and. We were just talking about this off air. If if Girardi, the the coach of the opposing team, had anything to do with these multiple checks over, I believe it was like the fifth or sixth inning that the third one came. If if the other coach is doing this to him, this is this is already out of hand. This is where I think it gets um, tricky, and I think it's where if they're going to take this seriously and they're going to enforce the rules, you you can't have this turn into. This is supposed to level the playing field. You can't have this be a tool for competitive advantage. You cannot have managers able to initiate checks on, on opposing pitchers whenever they want. You're just going to fuck with their rhythm mid-innings if they want to, like we saw Girardi basically just did there. It has come out like, okay, so by it has come out. Baseball accounts on Instagram are pointing out that Joe Girardi initiated that final or that third check. Um, and the umpire's... I mean, they complied. They just they went out and did it. They stopped the game mid-inning. They went out and they checked Scherzer. As Scherzer walked off the mound, he stared down Girardi. Girardi ended up coming up to the top step, uh, telling him to come on, put his hands out like he was fucking Rocky, and ended up getting tossed. So Girardi is no longer there in this game that is, I believe, still going on. But that's how that went. So if this is how it's going to be, we need to stop this now because, again, this is supposed to level the playing field. You cannot have it be used as a tool for competitive advantage. You can't have managers calling people out to go check pitchers, uh, you know, because they've just struck out two other guys back to back, and you need a you need to get somebody on base. So let's go and mess with his timing and stuff like that. Can't do it. Um, baseball needs to get this under control. I understand it's day two and day one. There were only three or four games played across the league, 
So it was almost a guarantee that we were going to have something happen today as opposed to yesterday just because of the sheer number of games. So, I mean, let's see what they do. I This is getting out of hand. I, I, I'm all, this is why I didn't want this to happen so fast, right? Like, look, we're day two, and we have either have things that we've overlooked or, I mean, I've, I've looked and checked in, in, in the memo and in anything that's come out since last week. And it doesn't specify who can initiate these checks. So it doesn't say – it only says that the umpires are going to determine the result of it. It doesn't say that not be like, hey, I think he's got something on his hand. Stop the game and go check him. That needs to be clarified. That needs to be worked in. They cannot just be – like, we can't, we're trying to speed the game up here, dude. We already gave you a challenge for a missed call later in the game. You're not going to tell us when to and not to check. These starters are already getting checked multiple times a game. Your relief pitches are going to get checked. Um, so they're checking. Don't be a dick about it. Like, I don't know how else to put this for them. But that is Joe Girardi, and that is what happened tonight. So let's see how they how they work this going forward. What do you think about it? Uh, I mean, it, it, more nonsensical stuff. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm cool with them trying to enforce it because they've, now they've made it a big deal. You have to carry it through. Um, but it still just seems so goofy. I don't know. That's all I can come back to with, with any baseball stuff right now. It just, everything always seems so weird. They can't just like, why are we talking about what the umpires are checking instead of like Shohei Otani? Like it just, it, I hate it so much. It's so dumb. <laughs> I get it. Um, all right. So I'm reading that it does say that teams are planning to ask them to check it if they see something suspicious. This needs to get straightened out. This shouldn't be even an option. Like, if we're going to – we're already having the, the, the refs be the the ultimate decision maker and arbiters of the situation. You can't have them look at something at the behest of the opponent, right? Like, that's just not right. fair. Um, right. So, yeah, let's see how this goes. We will obviously continue to monitor this. It is still a fresh situation. Uh, it's only been like three weeks since the entire subject came up, and we already have rule enforcement going on in the field. So we'll keep following that up and seeing how that goes. Um, staying in baseball, switching gears a little bit. Back, uh, I think, episode two or three, we did number three player on that list for me. Was it three? It was either three or four. Uh, is Wander was four Franco. for me. Okay. I know that. Okay, so he might have been four for me as well. Um, still, top five guy, Wander Franco. So, Wander Franco is a, a player for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's a shortstop, right? He is a switch hitter. Dude is absolutely phenomenal. When we talk about Vlad Jr., one of the big things that we say about Vlad Jr. is he was the first player to ever have a perfect uh, hitting grade assigned to him as a prospect, which is 80. Eight, if you hear the number 80 for um, uh, for a hitting grade, um, then that is literally the highest score you can get as a hitter. Well, Wander Franco is the second player to ever have that score issued to them um, from a hitting prospect perspective. So, I mean, he's just – he's outrageous. He's 20 years old. Uh, he's not even 20 and a half yet. He's like 20 and like 100 days. So the dude is – he's the first MLB player to play that was born in uh, 2001, which makes me feel ancient because I was in high school in 2001. I graduated um, high school in 2001. 
There you go. So <laughs> he was called up today. They are in Tampa. They are playing, I believe, the Boston Red Sox. And, of course, in his first game up, he ties the game with a three-run home run uh, into left field that the place went, well, a few people there at the Rays game went absolutely <laughs> nuts. Yeah. and uh, Dozens and of it. people. Dozens of people. So it was off of uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's a pretty decent pitcher there for the uh, Red Sox. It was his first hit. It was a home run. He had already gotten on base, but he had walked. So first official hit, hits a bomb, three-run bomb, ties the game at home. Uh, just tons of positive stuff in that story. Uh, and the Rays, you know, they were one of the best teams in baseball. They had this dude stashed. It it looked like they weren't ready to bring him up. All of a sudden, they lose six straight, and bam, here he is. And uh, paying immediate dividends, making an immediate impact. Uh, what do you think about Mr. Wander Franco? Ah. Uh. I mean, so far, he's as advertised, uh, two for three with the home run like you talked about. Um, he's playing third today, but playing yeah. good defense. Uh, I see I – was, I was looking at the box score as you were talking. Uh, Diaz, Franco, and Meadows are here in the bottom of the ninth in a tie game, so he's got a chance to play a hero uh, in his first MLB game. So, um, nice. yeah, he's, he's right about as advertised, which is good. I mean, they, this is – and and I I don't want to sound like I'm always so negative about baseball. I really do love the sport at its core, but I, I wish they would spend more time talking about times like this, like the debut of a kid that's this good, this young, more so than like umpires checking for sticky shit in people's belts. Like that's, that's sort of what, and, and again, it sounds like a broken record because we did this last week, but like that's the major flaw of baseball is they spend more time on the stupid stuff than, the stuff that actually makes people want to watch. I mean, you want to watch this kid in the bottom of the ninth at home in his first game and, and see his at bat. I mean, it's, that's, that's why you watch the sport. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, probably try to catch a game here in the next month or so. See if, see if we can get a, that's get right. a You're in seven. Town. That's right. right. That's right. Absolutely. And those, the games are starting to fill up with people, uh, you know, as, yeah. as far as the Rays go, you know, that might be, 8,000 fans, but right. Uh, yeah. You know, I will uh, still be fun. I'm glad to see you in uh, still into the sport and going to actually do what a good baseball fan should do and head out to that ballpark, and <sighs> check out your local team. I mean, well, shit, it could be a worse team, right? It could be the Marlins. You've got a good, good team to watch up there. Um, you've got good competition in the AL that comes into town, obviously with the, with the interleague stuff, you'll get some national league teams there. I mean, and this kid is, it seems like he's worth the ticket, right? The price of admission. If he's going to be hitting the ball like this, if he hits the ball, anything like Vlad hits the ball, then, I mean, again, yeah, worth the price of admission. Dude's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. I'm getting ready. Uh, Frank and I are headed to the Marlins game tomorrow. Because I am a good baseball fan, and I wanted to see the stars of this game. So, and I just wanted to get out to the ballpark tomorrow. The mornings have Trevor Rogers pitching. So, um, top uh, top rookie in the league right now. Actually, MLB Pipeline had him ranked as the top rookie in the league currently uh, because of what he's doing. He is having a tremendous season. Trying to pull up his numbers real fast. Who is uh, this? 
Trevor Rogers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for, okay, uh, okay. For the Marlins. Yeah. So he is through 81 innings pitched with 95 strikeouts, a 187 ERA, and a 102 WHIP. Nine quality starts, um, and seven wins in those nine quality starts, which is amazing because he pitches for the Marlins, who don't offer up any run support for some reason. Um, is so that someone you guys awesome. got in trade, or was that a draft pick? No, Trevor Rogers. We got through. Which trade was it? I don't even remember which trade it was. Um, but let's see. Now we can find out real quick. Also, I'm excited because we're playing the Blue Jays. So I'm gonna Ooh, see. Oh, there you go. I'm gonna see those baby, those those major league babies, the Vlad Jr., Bichette, Biggio. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I don't even know who pitches for them, but I don't care because Trevor Rogers going up against that lineup would be something to see. Trevor Rogers from New Mexico. He's 23 years old. Man. Kid's going to be awesome. He has only ever played for the Marlins, uh, and we said we drafted him in the 2017 draft. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Homegrown. That's nice. Yep. Yep, that's nice to see that we didn't just uh, get them from from somebody else. But then some of those trades have been working out really well for us. Starling Marte is uh, the best hitter on our team, and we got rid. We got we we dodged a bullet with uh, getting rid of Caleb Smith for him in that trade last year. So I will take it. We've got a decent team. We need to put some runs together. But uh, that game tomorrow, looking forward to it. That Blue Jays offense, Trevor Rogers on the mound. Uh, the buzz of Miami baseball <laughs> should be super exciting, and I can't wait. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair so, enough. That's enough baseball talk for this week because we made it a point to not do 45 minutes again as much as we love the sport. So we'll cut it at about 18. Um, moving on. little trip into the NFL. Uh, this one is a lot less related to actual football and more of a social story. So uh, Carl Nassib, right? Is that how we say it? Nassib? Yep. Okay. So Carl Nassib is a defensive lineman for now the Las Vegas Raiders. He has had stops previously in Tampa as the, as a Buccaneer and for your hometown Cleveland Browns as well. We did in Um, fact draft him. You were his first team, correct? Yes. Yes. So, uh, I think his brother's like a quarterback too, right? Um, Ryan. Ryan Nassim? Yeah. Yeah. So, he came out uh, as a gay player, as a gay person yesterday. Um, He put up a video on Instagram where he he straight up just said, hey, guys, I'm gay. I'm here in my home in Westchester, and uh, I've been meaning to do this for a while, and let me just do it. First of all, like, that's super courageous, right? In the most macho, manly sport that this country offers and plays, and in a, in a game that's associated with being a badass and being tough and ripping each other's fucking heads off. And, oh, and, um, he's got the balls to come out and say, yeah, man, you know, I am gay. I'm not, I don't fit the mold of what all of what society is traditionally looked at as a badass football player. Right. And that is perfectly fine. It, it's, it's not that serious. The fact that we still have to make coming out statements is, is a little ridiculous. Um, this day and age, right. It's 2021 people are like who gives a shit who you're into. If, if you want to be, you know, 
a gay person, if you want to be a bisexual person, if you want to do what, like, whatever you want to do, like everybody is their own person. We are all living our own lives. It has nothing to do with what you can do on the field, right? If you can play football, I'm going to keep it not raunchy or anything. If you can play football, I don't care what you like to do in your free time, right? It, it, as long as you can play. That's yeah. all that should matter. I'm I'm glad that I have not seen a lot of negative pushback to this. I haven't even seen there's going to be the internet trolls, right? Because they're always out there. This is their fucking purpose in life is to be a bunch of little dicks about everything. Um, so that is what it is and they're going to be there, but no negative media, no negative um, like, and even there's always somebody, there's always that one radio guy, that, that one broadcaster on television who slips and says something inappropriate that they shouldn't say in situations like this and ends up making a big wave and costing them their job, right? We haven't had that happen. It's been over 24 hours already, so I'm hoping that we don't go down that road. But from a social perspective, um, in the way that we look at athletes in this country and, and the, the machismo that they are held up to and that sort of mold and standard, uh, I think it's nonsense. I think that however you want to be as a person in your personal life is one thing, and whether or not you can perform and do your job correctly, whatever that job may be and whatever sport it may be, for instance, uh, it's got nothing to do with anything else. So we should just judge you based on that and not on anything else. So good for him. Um, something like this is, is close to me. I, I have uh, very close family members in my family who are part of the LGBTQ community. So I am 100%, you know, an ally. I support everybody. Uh, I know that what they go through, especially young people in this country dealing with stuff like that and, and figuring themselves out is a big, big deal. So all the support to them, all the support to Carl here and, and hopefully um, I mean, he's got the number one selling jersey in the NFL today, which I fucking love. I saw that today. I'm like, man, that is awesome. So much love to him, man. And that's awesome. It's Pride, it's pride Month. I'm sure this has got a, a big reason as to why he did it. But um, I know that it means something to you as well if you're wanting to go into that. I know we're, both of our families have similar situations in them. So what do you think about all of this, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Uh, similar thoughts. I was going to say the jersey thing, too. Uh, I, I think – that sort of supports the the uh, first point that you made is is you're not having that same pushback maybe that you normally would um, or or even any of the other guys that have ever done it even retired players. Um, Jaron Collins is the one that comes to mind after he had retired from the NBA uh, and, and came out that way. And then you had guys that had played with him that were sort of like, oh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't weird when we were you know when we played together or anything like that. But it's not like it was supportive. It was more just like, oh, you know. I kind of knew I got, that. Yeah. Right. I got yeah, to say which, about it. Yeah. Right. Right. Which, you know, not, not necessarily what I would consider supportive. <laughs> um, so just, um, you know, glad for the reaction, glad it's, it's, it's a big deal, but, but starting to sort of be tamped down a little bit, which I think is, is good. You just sort of act like this is a normal thing. It's not right. that big a deal and you move on. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, and, that's how it should be, man. I mean, just just get to the point where you have, you know, people have what they do in life, and and you know, it, it just doesn't have any impact on on how you do your job you or are. anything else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just yeah. be be who you are, be be okay with it, and and move on. So yeah, that's that's the best that's the best way I think you can describe it. And uh, you know, like you said, good for him. I'm 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 glad he was able to do that, and hopefully he he has a, a good season this year. Yep. Absolutely. I'm rooting for him. Hope he's uh, 
able to break all of these stereotypes and and misconceptions that we have about members of that community in sports like football and stuff like that. So I hope he goes out there and kicks everybody's ass, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, so nice. All right, so that's our touch on the NFL. Not much else going on in the league right now. Uh, nothing else on the Aaron Rodgers front after we talked about it last week. Uh, we had some uh, OTAs going down last week, which – we're not gonna we're not gonna be those guys who are prying into OTAs and trying to break them out. They had yeah, OTAs last week. It was the first time most of these teams got together since uh, probably January. Um, so it is what it is. When we start getting into real training camp and shit like that, we will start talking about what's going on out there. We do have like less than a month though, right? I know. I'm gonna. I'm excited. A oh month my God. from oh. about a month from now, we should be getting ready for the. Hall of Fame game, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the last okay. week of July or maybe the very first week. Right of at August. the beginning of August. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, they always had the parade. My my grandparents lived like eight minutes from the Hall of Fame and they would always go to the Hall of Fame parade. So I, I can remember when that was. <laughs> that let me tell you, man, that was one of that's one of the best experiences from a sports perspective like that I've ever had in my life was making the trip to Canton and seeing I'm sure it's awesome to just go up there and see a period. But to see a player that you grew up watching and loving, like I was able to do and able to see Jason Taylor get inducted into the Hall of Fame, I mean, it was an emotional experience. If you're like a real football fan and you go up there, it was out of this world. I definitely recommend it for anybody who hasn't done it. Uh, make the trip to Canton. Stop off in Cleveland. I went to an Indians game that weekend and then uh, did all the Hall of Fame stuff. So it's definitely a nice trip to do out there. And it if you're a sports fan, man, I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It really is. They do. A we're great almost job there, baby. They do. We are almost there at uh, NFL season. Next thing you know, we'll be talking about opening weekend. So Oof. that's uh, that's our NFL talk for now, and we are going to move it on into the last segment of our show today. We're going to start NBA talk with the draft lottery. So the lottery was earlier tonight in uh, on ESPN. It was still done virtually, so everybody was somewhere different. Um, I didn't have a horse in this race. The Heat, uh, some people say, made the playoffs. I just think <laughs> technically they, they did. I just think that they weren't in the lottery. It is what it is, right? Uh, so I will hand it to you to lead us through this uh, this lottery talk and let me know where your Cavs ended up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll just go through the order real quick uh, and then talk about um, some of the teams that lost that pick and got jumped because uh, there were three teams in basically the top 10 that had picks um, that depending on where they fell, they would lose them to other teams from previous trades. Yep. Uh, so let me let me just get this up on the big screen here just so I can go through. There we are. Okay, so first big story, if I'm if I'm not including my own team, is that Detroit won the lottery. We'll, we'll lead with that. The, the Pistons have never won the lottery before. Um, the highest they ever drafted was number two, and uh, we don't necessarily need to remind them who they chose. Um, no, they, they, they drafted number one, but it was 1970. And it was Bob, La- Bob Lanier out of Oh, they, okay, Bob you're right. There. They did. They did. They had one. They, so so I don't they even drafted know one wanted. once. Right. In 1970, it was what, okay. 41 years ago. I'm not 50. Gonna, we're, we're 51 That's years 51 ago. 51 years ago. Oh, Jesus. 
So we're gonna we're gonna just point out that they had uh, the number two overall pick with people like Chris Bosh, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwayne Wade on the board, and they took Darko Milicic. That's that's the one I wasn't gonna mention. Yep, yep. Uh, we're gonna mention it because it seems like they're gonna they can't miss this time. So we're gonna make sure we notice that they missed before. <laughs> well, the upside for them is they had uh, they had two all rookies this year. They draft they had three first round picks. Two of the three were great selections. Um, sort of more fringe guys, maybe a fourth or fifth starter on a good team. Um, Cade Cunningham is going to be much, much, much better than that. Uh, that's your prototypical, you know, slam dunk. Even in draft like this, where you have uh, five guys that you can um, realistically build a team around mm-hmm. uh, and still have him be the, the clear number one pick, uh, it would be a very big surprise if Cunningham did not go number one. Uh, the only reason I could think of that he wouldn't is if they really wanted Evan Mobley uh, and and wanted to go big instead of getting a point guard. Right. Um, but I, I can't see a great argument for that yet. I mean, maybe workouts will change that, but can't really see much uh, argument there. Well, if anything's going to change it, it's going to be a workout because uh, this kid's representation, Kate Cunningham's representation, has said that he will only be visiting one team. And yeah. it will be the Detroit Pistons. He is right, fully expecting to be the number one pick in this draft. So let's see how that goes. If let's see if Detroit takes a look at anybody else, uh, and let's see if they do end up going with somebody else. How does that affect everybody else? And like, how are those other front offices going to feel about now probably having to take a kid who was so cocky and arrogant that they didn't even go and work out for them because he assumed he would be the number one pick in the draft. See, but that, that stuff happens so often though. Like I don't even think Luca worked out for Dallas when they draft or when they traded for him technically. Um those guys always they'll pick out one or two places and we're only gonna work out here. Like, you can just you can just right. draft them sight unseen. I mean it's that's that's sort of where you go next. Um but we'll sort of move down the draft board here. Uh yep. Houston who was in danger of losing their pick if it fell out of the top four they're going to end up picking number two, uh, so good for them. They they got something. Their their other alternative, OKC could have flipped their pick to Miami's pick that OKC also has. Um, so their other option was drafting 18th. So it was basically two or, or I'm sorry, somewhere in the top four or 18 was their choice. Uh, so they obviously got besides for being number one overall, they got the next best thing. Uh, third overall, moving up a couple slots was my Cleveland Cavaliers which is fantastic because we need all the help we can get. Um, so looking forward to one of these four guys going, going to Cleveland and trying to help them get back to uh, respectability. And then number four, uh, also jumping up in the lottery, was the Toronto Raptors. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, Toronto having a down year and, and being able to jump. I think they were seventh or eighth originally. Yeah. Being able to jump, uh, jump up into the top four is, is I mean – Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, I guess. Good for them. Um, the rest of the of the the lottery was sort of went as planned. Uh, Orlando was five. Oklahoma City six. Uh, Golden State got Minnesota's pick at seven. Orlando got Chicago's pick at eight. Uh, and then you had let's see, Sacramento at nine, New Orleans at ten, Charlotte at eleven, San Antonio at twelve. Indiana at 13 and Golden State again at 14. Uh, so a couple teams in the top uh, 14 
that'll have two picks. Uh, Oklahoma City got number 16 from their Kemba Walker-Al Horford trade the other day from Boston. Mm-hmm. So they'll have six and 16, and I believe 18. So, yeah, there's a couple teams really loaded up. Um, when we get into – because we can sort of combine this a little bit. When we get into talking about these, uh, these second-round series that just concluded um, – I think one of the cooler parts about this draft is you have guys that's such high end talent that you're going to be able to, to possibly use them. So for some pretty, um, some pretty big trades, some, some guys, big names, uh, possibly, you know, three letter word, first names, maybe like a seven letter words, last name, uh, three shots in the fourth quarter over seven games span. Okay. Uh, that guy could be involved in some of these things. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting. I'm, 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 I'm thrilled with the results. Yeah, well, you got the third pick in the draft, in a draft that's almost guaranteeing four franchise changers. So, yeah, I'd be pretty excited too. I'm happy for you guys. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, gotta, the the league is more fun when we can actually talk shit about the Cavs because if <sighs> if they suck, then there's just, I mean, what 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 are we gonna do? Just oh, well, your team sucks. All right, fine. I, I, that <laughs> honestly works just as well for me. <laughs> um, so, uh, score update for anybody interested. 67-62, Phoenix over the Clippers. Four minutes left in the third quarter of Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. We're going to talk about that series in a minute. But since you've already mentioned him, let's start here. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Uh I don't know what to say about Ben Simmons anymore. Sure you do. Sure you do. He's he's afraid of shooting. He's literally he's absolutely terrified of shooting. He's gotten into his head that he thinks he's going to embarrass himself, and he just will not do it. He will not yes. do it. He will not shoot a three because it's become a thing. He knows but he sucks at free throws, so he's I not going to the how basket. Far it's come. It used to just be Ben Simmons can't shoot a three, and now it's. Ben Simmons can't shoot. He can't shoot a three. He can't shoot a free throw. He can't shoot a jumper. He absolutely pussied out of a dunk in game seven with a few minutes left. I mean, Joel Embiid called that. Yeah. Joel Embiid called that a turning point. He literally yeah. said, I think that that's where everything turned around because he Maxi only got one of those two free throws and then they went back down and got two. So it's like, okay, so you went down from, from down two to down three because he wouldn't dunk the ball. Um, this is a problem. That being said, Daryl Morey is not just going to give away Ben Simmons. No. Um, no, well, and he can't because of his salary. He literally can't. He can't. He, ha- he, has, to, he has to get something back. Uh, Devin Booker is on the ground bleeding. I don't know what happened there, but he looks like he smashed his nose into somebody. Um, yeah, he can't just give away Ben Simmons as much as he – even if he wants to, he can't. But – Ben Simmons is still a tremendous defensive player. Ben Simmons is still a great ball handler, a great facilitator. If you do not need Ben Simmons to be the second scoring option on your team, Ben Simmons is still a great player to have. Do you want him at 143 for four years left on that deal or whatever the hell it is? I think it's 143 million over the next four. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know if that's the number that I want him at. That's a lot. Sure, um, but yeah. it's been it's been shown in his body of work that if you surround him with shooters, 
and it's not on him, he can make it work for them. So if you put him, I mean, Lowe was talking about him, and nobody mentioned Miami, but if you can somehow get him here without purging all of our shooting, that's a play that it takes the ball handling responsibilities off of Bam and Jimmy, um, and somebody who we know is competent. It's an additional plus defender out there on the floor, which is definitely Heat basketball style type of stuff, right? Get as much defense as we can on the floor. And if we don't need you to score, like we'd have Jimmy to go to the hole, we'd have Duncan and Tyler and Goron shooting if we bring him back, uh, and you have Bam in the paint with either Achua or Dwayne Dedman, if that's where it ends up being. Uh, I think this is a roster that Ben Simmons can really positively impact, but the cost attached to getting somebody like Ben Simmons right now, because of how much value is in that contract uh, is it kind of, it just, it fucks a lot of stuff up. Um, Where do you, I I was obviously going to do the heat take. Where would you get, if you were a GM in the league right now, what do you think about Ben Simmons and how would you go about that? So first of all, like I, I would say any team in the league could use Ben Simmons. Um, I think when you start having rational conversations, you have to figure out a, a team that can give the six or something they would want that they need right now. Right. Because Joel Embiid's 27. He's an MVP candidate. You can't get three first round picks. He's right. not going to wait around for that. And he's now because of his all NBA selection, he's now eligible for a super mass extension. Uh, he's about to sign for 200 over five years. That's your franchise. So if you're going out to get, to trade Ben Simmons, your your second star, you can't be bringing back trash. So, and and this isn't even like insulting you in any fashion, but he's not going to the Heat. They don't have anything to give. Oh, back. I'm aware. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I, I nobody wants it. any of that. So, where the, no, that's not true. But it, everything that we have is of such low value that it would take all of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. What, so no one they don't no, want it. We're not. We can't. We're not going <clears> to siphon <throat> seven guys for this. Well, no, and and no one wants because then what are you going to do with the rest of your roster? Right. That well, the roster that I just wanted to work with is yeah, it's now gone. It's now yeah, gone. Yeah. They're boring. So so forget that. Um, the the two that they were talking about today when I was when I was going through different and and I've thought of two or three more, but we'll lead with these. Uh, one of them was Chicago for Zach Levine and building yep. that you know a, a certain way. Oh, now I'm blanking on the second one. Portland for C.J. McCollum. There it is. Yeah, that was actually the first one, was yes. Portland for C.J. McCollum. I don't like that. Well, I'll leave I don't that. either. That's, that's not your second star. That's your second star if you want the sixth seed. And I like C.J. He's from Canton, Ohio, funny enough. Oh, uh, love C.J. Huge Browns fan. Um, he, he's not the second best player in a championship team. Maybe third. No. But he's not the second best player in a championship right. team. And he's 30 already. Yeah, or 29. Yeah. Like, CJ's yeah. not the answer to this problem for Daryl Morey and the Sixers. Right, right. And he makes the same amount as Ben Simmons. He wouldn't even have to th- – I mean, you could throw in some right. draft picks, it could I be guess, a, but... Right, it's a sweetener at this point because you would assume he's a higher league. But, right, um, right. But, but again, I don't then think you lose that, yeah. all your ball handling. I, I don't think that that moves the needle for the Sixers. No. I don't think now, that that's, that's where they should go with this. Levine gets more interesting because Levine – is a ball handler and Levine is a scorer. So yeah. because he doesn't have to be by the basket, which part of why everybody always thought Simmons and Embiid might not work out is because Ben, Ben had 85 shots in the playoffs and 84 of them were inside the paint. Um, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so 
if if your best player is, is down on the block, aka Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. and you are only taking shots in the paint, that means you are in his space at all times. Right. Um, therein lies the problem with Ben Simmons. So uh, Zach Levine, on the other hand, likes to shoot threes. Likes to. I mean, he still will drive to the basket. He's obviously. But a he great drives to the dunker. basket. He's not a post up guy like Simmons right. would post up guys down there. No, he's going to either right. drive into the paint. Or he's going to shoot from outside. He's a he's a typical he's a traditional wing player. He's going to try right. to elevate, and if he sees the lane, he's going to take it. But that's it. Um, yeah, that one's very interesting. That one's very interesting. I I if I'm the Sixers, I lead with that. Um, here's the problem that they may run into though: they may not be able to get guys at that level because of Sim, uh, Simmons' performance. Right. So. Uh, one that I heard and, of course, enjoyed because of, of uh, my fandom was Kevin Love and Colin Sexton for Ben Simmons. I don't know how much that necessarily does for Philly, but the, the talent and the money work. So, but, yeah, well, I don't see the only why. way The only way that, that I think pushes over – and you probably have to get more from Philly. The only way I think that pushes you over the hump is, uh, is if they include the third pick. You'd have to get more back from Philly with Simmons, but if the third pick's in there too, that that becomes very, very, very interesting. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't do that from Philly's perspective because the money's even now. There's four years left on the Simmons deal. Even if this doesn't net you positive results, it's going to get you – it's going to free up that cap space faster, if I'm not mistaken. How well, long – Sexton's on a rookie deal still, right? So he's two years into it or only one? No, two years I, in, so he's got two left. Well, this – no, no. This is actually – this was his third season. So he's got one and then either a team or a player option. Uh, he's – Extension eligible, I believe, this summer. This offseason, if it's his third year. Yeah, yeah. Which means that he can sign for somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 to $160 million. Very Ben Simmons-ish. Um, and, you know, 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds who score 24 points a game in their third NBA season do not come cheap. No, yeah, but if you're Philly, you want him to sign that after a trade, not before. Of course. Of course, of course. But I'm just saying, like, you're not necessarily getting out from that money any sooner oh, well, if Sexton's signing I, I understand that. your point. I understand your point, yes. the And then here's the freaking problem. You got two more seasons of Kevin Love at $31 million and $29 million. That's right. insane. Right, right. Who, by the way, missed 47 of a possible 72 games but is going to play for Team USA. He is. Thank God we got the 2016 title because I'd I'd, want to wring that guy's neck if we didn't. Anyways, um, yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be real interesting. And and I think the same way that the Lakers sort of piqued uh, the Pelicans interest after they moved all the way up to the fourth overall pick in the lottery that uh, the year they got Zion. I'm sorry. Yeah. The year they got Zion. Uh Yeah. I think this this type of of draft uh, a top three selection that's that's a hell of a bargaining chip. So, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these teams, uh, Golden State with their two um, lottery picks, the Cavs with their pick, uh, maybe even Toronto with their pick. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some of these being moved around 
um, for some more uh, developed talent. So we'll have to see about that. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the most disappointing uh, number one overall pick of recent memory seems like it is definitely going to be Ben Simmons right now, just because of the expectations, just because it, you just like, thought they were so close and that they were right there. And it's just not, it's not the case. It, the, we're very close to blowing this process up and starting over. I don't think um, they would start over because they did end up with an MVP candidate, but you're, you might have to tweak it pretty heavily. Oh, you're going to um, have to tweak it pretty heavily because that MVP well, candidate, like we mentioned, is getting older and it doesn't seem like help is on the horizon. The, the, the weird part is they could just see some improvement from Simmons. I mean, that's, that's I think, the scariest part of this whole thing. Um, and, and again, I, I get all this information from listening to other people's stuff, but, um, in his press conference after game seven, his response was, uh, to, to his struggles and, and, you know, what he thought about the game. Uh, I, I am what I am. And for someone who basically just blew a game or a series for their team when they're supposed to be the second star, I'm not sure that afterwards I'd be like, Hey, well, you know, I am what I am. Uh, it's not my fault, you know, whatever else. Like that's, that's not what you want to hear. Like I'd prefer to hear something more like I need to get better. I need to get my shot in order. Like the next day there, there's reports coming out that he's talking <coughs> about switching his shooting hand. So, well, I don't know, man. Here's and, but that goes down to like everything other than the shooting hand thing that you just mentioned is directly related to character. Uh, Stephen A came out, it was either yesterday or today, and said that, you know, somebody very close. Okay, Stephen A is a cartoon character. We all understand (laughs) this. He does this for TV. Uh, The act is for TV, right? But Stephen A is a very respected journalist who has legitimate inside connections to all of these organizations and people in the front office and those people who are semi-clout chasers themselves because they want to be the ones to leak to Stephen A sometimes. So he came out and said that somebody close to the Simmons situations in Philadelphia is saying that this dude is constantly babied. It's only family directly around him. Um, and it's just a bunch of yes men, basically. So he's it's there's no way to have a winning aggressive attitude like what you just described of I want to get better. This is not good enough. I need to go out there and do more. Uh, than being babied by family members, right? That, that that I can totally understand how, like, if that's true, I can see how I directly relate. Like, the things that I see from him, the the mental weakness on the court. That's all that is, right? Mental weakness. We've seen you make layups. I've seen you dunk the ball. You can shoot some, some you know, closer mid-range jumpers because we've seen you do that. Yeah, you've never been able to shoot a three. But now for you not to be, like, to be scared to even attempt, like it's a you were on the baseline under the basket like you're right. six you're six whatever reach up six eleven man reach up and dunk the damn ball so right. that's what I I can see how that Stephen A report would directly correlate to that and and if I'm a GM I'm I'm calling Stephen A myself be like hey man how much of this is bullshit like is this legit and and that would have a huge weight on the decision that I make if I were going to try to trade assets for a Ben Simmons project. Um, yeah, I'm not a big Ben Simmons hater, man. It is what it is. Like he, I've never thought he was 
even worthy of a number one overall pick. I, I thought he was, yeah, a good NBA player, but he's not like this top tier, amazing guy. Like he's not on the level of Embiid or Luca or Braun or Westbrook, Dame, CP3, like anything like that. He's two tiers below that right now. So I just think that if we continue to hold him to number one overall pick standards, we're going to be continue to be let down. If somebody can take him as the problem is you already paid him like a fucking overall number one pick. Right? So that's, it's hard to take him on as just a project yeah. and, and be happy but, with, with mid-level success. Yeah. But, but you're not, you're not going to not max him out when he's a three-time all-star and, and defensive player of the year running up, runner up. You're just, yeah, no, you're not going to, you're not going to. You can't really it. foreshadow this mental breakdown that he's having on, on the no. offensive side. Like no. you, you, you can accept not shooting threes. I don't know if you can accept him not playing offense anymore, but there's no way to see that coming. But here's here's the problem. They they spent however many years with Brett Brown just basically telling him, like asking him to shoot. And and at a certain point, you have to just force it. Like I, I know that they come across as really stupid shots, but Giannis was not a three-point shooter. Now he'll just shoot. And and a lot of the time it it can be aggravating. And, and it can look weird, but he's going to make a few, and eventually one of those is going to save you because he shoots. Right. And, and you know, again, he's not going to shoot a high percentage. He's going to be between 28 and 31%, but at least the threat is there. At mm-hmm. least you don't have to, like, hang out in the paint when he's past the three-point line. I mean, I've seen pictures before of Simmons in the regular season where his defender has their back to him, and they're standing in the key, and he's past the three-point line. Yeah. Like – just utter disrespect for your entire outside game. And that's at a certain point, that's just work. That's just, you don't want to, you don't want to develop that part of your game. And, and I don't understand that part of it. Cause you're, you're not talking about someone who doesn't have the skill to do the things we're discussing. You're talking about someone who right now doesn't have the desire to do it. And, and that's sort of what I was getting at before. Maybe you don't need to trade him, but you have to see some sort of improvement or, sign that there's a desire to improve because this same guy who's 6'11 and handles the ball if he could develop a three-point shot I I can't even imagine what that would open up for them I mean it it would literally open up everything that's that's the difference between the 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 Warriors being you know a five or six seed and losing to the Spurs then the next year winning uh you know 68 games like something clicks and then you're this and that's what it'll take with Simmons. Something has to click. Something has to change. And then they're that. But if it never clicks, then then this is what you have. You have a taller Draymond Green. Yeah. That's that's good, but you're not you're not Draymond Green's not the Warriors' second best player. And when he is, they're a nine seed. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I agree. And one of the things that might just lead to that whole not want it. 33, 35, 37, 40. Those are millions of dollars guaranteed over the next four seasons to him. $33 million, 35, 37, and 40 in the next four seasons. And he doesn't have to make a layup from now to then. He's getting all of it. Uh, So let's see. Let's see what kind of character Ben Simmons has, what kind of mental makeup he's got. And if he even, like you said, wants to turn this shit around, or if he just wants to sit there, get made fun of on the internet for four more years, collect the cash, and disappear and just be a meme after that. 
Uh, Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, that's enough Ben Simmons talk. Uh, Let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. So we've got the Bucks and the Hawks. So the Hawks went into Philly and took a Game 7 from the Sixers on their home floor. Trey Young had a trash three-and-a-half quarters. Um, and the new white mamba out there, Kirk uh, – what is it? Kirk, Hugh, Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter. Herter. I can't remember this guy's name, but I can remember his face. Uh, <laughs> huge Dwayne Wade fan. Rocks number three on there. I remember back his rookie year was the, the Dwayne Wade farewell tour, I believe, and or the year right before, one or the other, and he was able to swap jerseys with Wade after one of the heat games. The dude looked like he was – a kid meeting Mickey Mouse at Disney World. It was amazing to watch. Uh, so good for that dude. He fucking lit it up this series. And he especially lit it up on Game Seven. He saved that that Hawks team. He kept them afloat until Trey Young got his head out of his ass, which was late fourth quarter, and did what he does. Which again, that dude is awesome, man. Even when he's off, he's able to come through. Like the clutchness that he is showing. I know it's early, and this is his first playoff appearance. So let's see if he can keep doing it, but. Uh, this kid's got ice water in his veins, man. Trey Young is awesome. And this Hawks team looks like a lot of fun. John Collins looks like fun. Uh, the shirt that he wore, he wore a shirt after game seven uh, with the picture of him dunking on Embiid from the game before after he put him in a freaking headlock uh, up in the air. Like, this is a fun team. Nobody in Atlanta gives a shit about him, but I think from a national perspective, we should be paying a little bit more attention to the Hawks and, and giving them some credit. I think they're a good team. I don't know if they can get past the Bucks. I think that freaking Bucks, man. I didn't expect them to come back. And these Bucks have shown me something after going down 0-2 to Brooklyn and, and winning that series. Um, and it's not even necessarily Giannis. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are playing great, great basketball for that team. They are taking the pressure off of Giannis and has allowed Giannis to be more Giannis regular season type. Um, the defense continues to be out of this world. Uh I don't know. I think I, I think we're going to see Giannis in the finals. But, man, would I want that to be the Hawks instead? I think the Hawks are a super fun team. Let's see what they can do. What do you got in the East? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Hawks were, were – I mean, obviously they played well. Um, they had some things that didn't necessarily work. But I think uh, McMillan outcoached Doc Rivers, uh, which is not surprising. Doc, Doc just loves those playoff uh, – Meltdowns. Meltdowns. Yeah, that's one of his favorite things to do. So, um, not super surprising. Um, Trey Young, you know, we, we moved on from Ben Simmons. But part of the reason he was 5 for 23 in Game 7 was because he was guarded primarily by Ben Simmons. Yep. Um, so, not super, super surprising there. Uh, I don't see the Hawks winning more than one or two games against the Bucs. Um, I, I think the Bucks aren't playing as well as they obviously did in the regular season. Uh, and I think they have some pretty big issues to fix, but they definitely lucked out with the injury uh, issues that the Nets had in, in their series. Um, they, they had to struggle to pull out some games where they were definitely outmanning the, the Nets and still had to go down to the wire. Uh, they were basically Kevin Durant's big toe away from being, yep. from being out of the playoffs. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, I think the, the Bucks will be in the finals. Um, I don't think it'll be necessarily all that difficult for them to beat Atlanta, but um, Atlanta definitely has, has exceeded expectations. That's for sure. I don't, I'm not sure 
that this is a long-term prognosis that they're going to be better than uh, than Philly and Brooklyn, you know, next year and, and the year after. But uh, no, for this yeah. year, with all these injuries, they've they've definitely taken advantage. Um, <clears throat> I think both both sides, Western and Eastern Conference, have both sort of weeded themselves out based off the injuries to to different teams. Obviously, we've we've missed the most playoff games by All Stars uh, in NBA history this year, so um, right. not super super surprising. Uh, that that's happening and and why the seeds are so weird um you know a five seed being in the eastern conference finals and uh the three seed getting home court advantage um so yeah i would say bucks and six is is sort of my where i land on on that series uh and then we can go into the suns and the clippers i know we're a little further along in that series and i have the game up in the background here suns are up seven in the fourth Yep. Uh, so LA, LA for the third straight series may find themselves down 0-2 going back home. So, um, yeah. What do you What do you got on the Clippers and Suns? I um, I don't know. This isn't the series. This isn't the series that we should be getting, right? There hasn't been Kawhi yet. There hasn't been Chris Paul yet. When either of those players come back, they're going to completely alter the way that that team is playing. Uh, Devin Booker had his first career triple-double in game one, and I absolutely – everybody's talking about, oh, man, it's clutch in the playoffs. I just think that he's finally seen how a point guard plays, and Chris Paul wasn't there, and he needed to step up, and he knew how to do it now, just which part of that veteran leadership that Chris Paul has brought to your team. And I think that speaks volumes. Like, the fact that they were able to win the game without Chris Paul, that he was able to, 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 to get that triple-double – that they didn't look like they missed Paul all that much um, is awesome. Like, this Phoenix team is firing on all cylinders. They're going to get Chris Paul back. It's going to make them even better. Uh, Booker can turn those 40 into 50 with, you know, six assists and not worry about facilitating as much. And they're, they're just that much more dangerous because he just scores all the time. On the same thing, though, if, when you get Kawhi back, the defense intensity on this Clippers team goes up through the roof. They're still doing a good job. I mean, Phoenix is a high-scoring team, and we're talking – we're halfway through the fourth quarter here, and they're at 88 points. So it's not like they're going to put up 140 or anything like that. Like, L.A. is playing decent defense on them. Um, Kawhi is going to improve that. I just don't know. If they go down 2-0, I don't know if – I mean, are they expecting Kawhi back for game three? I don't know how this thing's going. It's his knee, right? Yeah, and and it's – an they've called it so far an ACL issue. Oh. Which you know Kawhi and his uh, his babying of his legs, he could have an issue and just never play again. Um, I don't With know. So I mean, much management and maintenance programming, you yeah. still get hurt in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and, and just as sort of like a highlight of what we're talking about here, the leading scorer tonight for the Clippers is minimum contract Reggie Jackson, and the leading scorer for the Phoenix Suns, not DeAndre Ayton, not Devin Booker campaign with 27 wow. points also on a minimum contract this is the conference finals <laughs> why is campaign and reggie jackson the two best players on the court doesn't make any sense but th- this is season. it is it is man it's fuck covid i mean that's really where where we are just it really God, did just throw everything just, off i know this is this is the world we live in campaign's gonna score 30 points in a conference finals game because Chris Paul's homesick doing dances on TikTok with his kids. 
Did you see that he was that Devin Booker suspects that Chris Paul was texting his brother CJ uh, during the game because CJ was yelling out pointers from the crowd and <laughs> the Suns players were understanding what the hell was being said. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, dude, that's very, very, very awesome to for Chris Paul to be doing that. Um, yeah, that would be really I, fitting for Chris Paul to make the finals for the first time ever and not play. Oh my god, like that would that would crack me up because that's that's fitting for him. His career has been so weird with success in the playoffs that you're just like, oh, well, that would make sense. He'd make the finals and they sweep the Clippers and he doesn't play a game. <laughs> then he's back for game one of the finals. Oh, I, man, I don't know. I, so I think – I hope that Chris Paul can get back in this series and please play. I don't know how I would feel about that. They're just going to talk so much trash about he still didn't actually make the finals because, you know, he didn't <laughs> play that series. Um, but – that being said, I think if this continues the way it's going and if Chris Paul comes back before Kawhi, I think this will be Suns and six. I think if they get Kawhi back, I'm still taking Suns, but I'm th- I think it'll get stretched to seven. But I do think, and I'm going to stick with my prediction of the Suns winning the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I mean, when when we did these picks, it wasn't with uh, with all this injury stuff it was just jamal um, murray yeah yeah i uh i mean you, you gotta flip to the suns now i mean i don't know how anybody really can pick the clippers because you, you just you have no idea what's up with Kawhi. and as surprised as i was they won game five and six against utah without Kawhi. um this this makes a little bit more sense the the i mean they're playing close games with the suns they're not getting blown out but uh i mean they're to a point now where campaign is 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 beating them, and I'm gonna. I, I know that's obnoxious to keep saying, but my God, it's campaign for God's it's sake! Happening. Like, it's happening. I only knew he was in the NBA because he used to do dances with Russell Westbrook in OKC, you know, before a game or something. Oh my God! Yeah, it, it just. How do you come back from this? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's talk for a second, real quick, about the the progress of DeAndre Ayton. Because that dude is just – Yeah. I saw – did you see that alley-oop he had over Zubats? Mm-hmm. Holy hell. He's like a human pogo stick at seven. I am I am telling you that when I – I just didn't think – I thought coming into this season, the biggest problem with DeAndre Ayton was that he didn't think he can do it. Like, I thought that that was the only thing stopping him, that he maybe didn't think he can do it. Because the dude is super athletic. He's huge. He looks like he's 40. Like, he's intimidating. Like, um, there's there's no other reason to think that you can't. So, it has to have been, like, maybe he just doesn't have that confidence. And between coaching and, and maybe, maybe it's got a lot to do with Chris Paul getting there. Uh, his confidence level has gone through the roof. When I saw him bodying up Anthony Davis last series in just – the most aggressive manner I've ever seen DeAndre Ayton body up anybody out there. I was like, man, this is different. And really, like, since then, the, the confidence on this team has been through the roof. His has been through the roof. His play has been awesome. I mean, they're up 1-0. They're, they've got a three-point lead right now with uh, six minutes left in game two. Um, DeAndre Ayton has been very much worthy of a number one overall pick uh, lately, where I may not have said that, I don't know, eight well, months ago. I was going to say, he was in a draft with Luca, So it's, 
it's Trey, not necessarily his fault that that I mean Trey Young and I don't want to specify the draft, but he he's putting out a product that you can say is worthy of a number one overall pick. Yeah, if you want to yeah. compare it to the draft class, then yeah, yeah, get, no, no, no. I, but but we're we're at a point now where if he's this now, because at the beginning of the season he was not this defensively no. or offensively. No. So if he's this now, twenty and nine, with uh, he's shooting seventy two percent for the playoffs. I mean. That guy is is a ten year starter at center and like the second okay. or third best player on a championship team. I mean that's that's what you have there. And yeah, they'll yep. take that with the number one overall pick every year. He might be the second or third best player on a championship team this year. Absolutely. Well, I, he's third best. Let, let's we can we can. Yo, so, <laughs> so Devin Booker's nose is broken, right? Uh they didn't say that. They just said I just and, uh, I just I looked at him, and that thing's got like. Highway curbs in it now. <laughs> Him and Beverly, Beverly getting in people's faces. How the hell is he even out there? The headache that this man must have up, up, above of all pain in his nose. The headache he must be experiencing right now to have to go out there and pound a basketball and listen to the noise that is involved in an arena must be awful. Let's see how he does. Let's see how he does. He just drew a foul. Let's see. Let's see how he does. Um, so I think Phoenix takes this. Uh, I'm getting very ready to call Phoenix as my champ. I don't. I, I got to think about how, how I think they would match up against Milwaukee because that is who I assume will be coming out of the East. Uh, so yeah. let's see. Either way, there's going to be a fresh new champion in the NBA. No Absolutely. matter which which four, uh, it's going to be. None of these teams have won uh, a title since before the ABA NBA merger, right? So this is going to be new territory for the NBA to market. Uh, no matter which which of these four teams advance both to the finals and to eventually win the title, I can't see why they wouldn't want it to be the Suns at this point. Just to market those jerseys, these these Valley jerseys are so dope. Um, yeah, they are I, really I, cool. I, I they are just I love Vice uniforms, and this goes right up like the Heat ones, and this goes right up there with anything the Heat have ever worn. I love those jerseys. Yeah, um, so I don't see why they wouldn't want it to be that game three Thursday night. Uh, so let's see where we are by then. And then Eastern Conference Finals uh, in Milwaukee, Trey Young and the Hawks visiting the Bucks. That kicks off tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, I believe on TNT. So that's what we've got uh, going in the NBA. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, I'm an analytics dork. So one of my favorite uh, websites is 538.com. Um, when you look at their NBA predictions page for uh, the playoffs, they have right now, if you go look at it, they have the Suns as a 53% chance of winning the title. Well, which, Jesus. you know, after only one game of, of either conference final series, to have them as, as a, a better than 50% chance to win the title tells you uh, how the numbers and the analytics are looking at their team. They, yeah. are, they are rolling. They lost what, how one playoff season. game. Uh, they were four one against the Lakers, right? No, four two, four two. They've lost two playoff games. Four two, yeah. Okay. In, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah they swept. They swept the last round. Right. So they're nine and two in the playoffs so far. Nine and two. Whew. For supposedly a young, inexperienced team, Aiden's right. at twenty and thirteen tonight. Ten for thirteen from the field. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so. All yeah, right. man. Let's see. 
We will talk again next week. By then, we should either know the winners of the conferences or have a good idea, depending on how these series go, uh, what's going to happen. So we will definitely talk about what's happened in these series and preview the NBA Finals as we close in on the end of another basketball season. Uh, so that will be coming up next week. Enjoy the basketball from now to then, everyone. Again, uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review us. Leave us a comment. Uh, follow us on Instagram at three major sports. We would love uh, as much engagement and interaction from any of our listeners as possible. We just want to make it as good of a show as we can for you all. So feel free to reach out to us however, and whenever you want. Uh, I'm signing off down from Miami. Uh, Rob, say good night. Nighty night. All right, everybody enjoy the sports. Take care. See you.